Star Wars fans and Rule the Galaxy fans, it is Joe in the pilot seat once more. Last week we had D-Doc and Alfie do a two-man show and it was great, lots of fun. They did their typical After Dark where the language gets a little saltier and uh, they talked a lot of toys. I'm not sure if we'll talk a lot of toys today, but uh, and I don't think the language will get as, as fruity or as salty as, as they did, but... Uh, I've got some really good friends, some people who you've all heard before on the show uh, coming on as guests today. So I believe this is episode 217, and we're going to have two guests, but right now we're starting off with one. We'll add one later on, and it's our good friend, Mark Newbold of Fanta Tracks and Podcast Making Tracks. Mark, how are you, sir? I'm very good. I've got a cup of tea, and I'm ready to talk anything Lucasfilm. There's plenty in Lucasfilm to talk about <laughs> right now. I know I was just listening to your most recent episode, um, which goodness just came out within the last 24 hours. And you you were letting your fans know, your followers and listeners know, we will talk about Star Wars again. But right now <laughs> we have a little thing called Indiana Jones going on. And um, I guess, you know, l- let's just start with that. Um, you've obviously seen Dial of Destiny. I'm guessing I went and saw it this last weekend. What were your what were your initial thought and, and, and feedback from uh, Indiana Jones five? Indiana Jones five, it's great. It should be Indiana Jones ten. That's that's one thought. <laughs> yes. Um, I was very lucky. I've I've said it three times already. So I went to the press screening two weeks ago. I was at the premiere a week this Monday just gone, which was amazing. Finally met Harrison Ford. So oh. day day made, and then saw it on the Wednesday. It came out here on the twenty eighth. Uh, with my wife Ruth and I've got to say every time I saw it it got better it, it's definitely what I mean the class yeah the thing with indie films is how many I, I know I've confidently seen Raiders 120 times confidently that thing was on all the time for me yeah. as a kid in the 80s and Temple of Doom the same and you know all those films I like Crystal Skull it's not it's not Raiders but I do enjoy Crystal Skull I've seen that probably 20 plus times this already, I've watched it. Every time I watched it, I got a little bit more out of it. I, I, And maybe it's because I'm getting older. We're all getting older. Kind of, I mean, not as old as, as Indy. Indy's <laughs> 70, Harrison's 80. But, you know, you kind of identify with, you know, you, you lose half a step as you get a little bit older. And it takes that 10 seconds longer to get out of bed. And just little things, motivational things, just, you know, you just have to grind at it a little bit more and more. So I, I felt that he's really feeling it, the life that Indy's had, you know. Um, Definitely. I absolutely loved it. I really did. And and the the battering it's taken on socials from all these smart marks. I'm a wrestling fan, so smart marks, people who think they know wrestling better than they do. You know, it's just um, just so many people like that in and around the Star Wars and, and sort of Lucasfilm sphere who clearly haven't seen the film. And if they did, they spent most of it with the popcorn bucket on their head. You know, it's just, it baffles me why people don't go in wanting to love, you know, an Indiana Jones yeah. film. No, I, I, I've only seen it once, so I'm not at the expert level that you are yet. But I was kind of sitting there taking it in step by step, saying, "Okay, I want to remember this because I want to be fresh and ready to go right away with with some podcasts and talk about it." And you know, I think we've all talked about it. Indiana Jones is, you know, in the Raiders series, is kind of the cousin of the Star Wars, right? Whether yeah. you know because of Harrison Ford, because of Lucas, because of Lucasfilm. We've all kind of thought that that when you go see a Star Wars film, you know, seeing a Raiders film is the next best thing, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I and I remember that original Raiders of the Lost Ark coming out, and I thought, this is awesome because I'm seeing Han Solo on a side mission on his own out in the jungle or out in the desert or what have you, you know. What I mean, yeah. 
as a as a 10-year-old, that was kind of the mindset. And it you grew to love the character. And uh, so it was this one. Um, I definitely did like it more than Crystal Skull. Um, I, I went into it and I said, you know, no, mo no movie right now anymore is perfect, in my opinion. It's really hard to make that perfect movie, um, that life-shattering, you know, mind-blowing movie. But this one, um, after watching all the people bash it before I went in and hearing mm. all the negativity, I walked out of it saying, you know what? I was really entertained by that movie. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed, um, you know, the de-aging did not phase me at all. I felt very comfortable with the de-aging. Um, and, and I thought the storyline was a good one. It, it took us on some new adventures, added in some new characters. You know, it was great to see some of the throwbacks to the older characters and all that stuff. And just real quick, I will say this. If we go too detailed for anyone, there might be spoilers just because we're just talking Indiana Jones here. So if you hear something and you haven't seen it yet, I apologize. But um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. And I walked out of it saying, I think exactly what you were saying earlier on this should have been Indiana Jones 10 because mm. I'm looking back at this right now and 81 Raiders, 84 Temple of Doom, 89 Last Crusade. And then we jump all the way to 2008 with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull where every three years we could have, it could have been the James Bond version, you know, uh, of something. And Harrison Ford could have made I mean, heck, they made 10 Fast and Furious, if not more. They, yeah. they could have easily made this uh, 10 movies over the last 40 years. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I, I really enjoyed it, though. I don't suppose Harrison Ford has many, if any, regrets about his career because he treats it like a job. He, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a craft, of course, but he, I think my, my read of him is he has the wood he was a carpenter so he has the carpenter's mindset to acting in that you've got to be good at your craft you've got to be skillful you've got to know your stuff but ultimately it's each project you take on as a carpenter is a job and at the end you hand it over and walk away and you're not going to sit at that table or open that door or whatever again that's not yours to do and right. i kind of think it's the same with acting in that he'll do each job and it's you know it's it is its own thing and he doesn't really think back to it too much he's always looking forward which is fantastic especially the older he gets you know he's, he's got two tv series on the go he oh. seems enthused and, and wants to do it and such but i do wonder i'd love to sit down and sort of you'd have to catch him off guard because he is a cautious fellow um as he says in raiders you know the to sort of say don't you wish don't you know mm -hmm. tw tweak tweak the variables just a shade let's say george came up with that great mcguffin for a fourth one you know, in 2002 and, and or Spielberg went, you know, yeah, you know, let's let's do that Frank Darabont Saucer Men from Mars film. Why not? And get your 50s B movie thing out of the way early mm -hmm. and just, you know, and roll through the 90s and into the 2000s. Like you say, with the film movie, three, four or five years and, and carry on. So Crystal School's not the big comeback. It's just the next one. And, you know, the older he gets, you'd understand he, he might not want to keep rolling around. Tom Cruise is, has just turned 61 and yeah. he's doing what's this Mission Impossible seven or eight. I can't think yeah. what number it is now. So, and he's got, he's got a part two coming out. He sounds like he wants to do more. He probably sees Harrison Ford as definitely as an inspiration for why not just keep doing it. Yeah. And the thing I loved about Dial of Destiny is, uh, and as you say, you know, spoiler, spoiler alert, <coughs> excuse me, is that, yeah, he's older. As I say, Indy's 10 years younger than Harrison. He's older he was talking about the mileage in 1981, you know, he, he was feeling it then. So, you know, the fact that he gets knocked down and he still gets up and he takes his lumps in this film, you know, for an old guy, he take, you know, he certainly does. I mean, he gets shot. I mean, I, I, gets, yeah, I, I literally thought that was going to be the end. And our good friend uh, of the show, Steve Glosson, he, he and I were texting about it beforehand. I said, are you excited to go see this movie? And he said, I really think this is the one where they're going to, Kill off the character. I think he'll choose to either go, you know, have something happen or he'll make that choice and put himself out there and he'll pass away. And I went into this movie going, oh, man, I really don't want to see that. I mean, it could happen. And, you know, as I know, there's a part of the movie where you're thinking this is going to happen. Right. Yeah. This is this is going to be it. So um, but yeah, it, it it was a good, entertaining movie. It was it was um, I think if they're going to end it, look. I really think they could have ended it perfectly 
at the end of Last Crusade. I think most people would say that. It was a great ending to that. Um, but since they moved on, I really felt like they tied up some loose ends that I was a little nervous about, a little questioning me, questioning how they were going to tie up some of those loose ends. They did that in, in here in a certain way that I felt like, okay, it hit that touch point, it moved on, right? It didn't didn't dwell on it, but it made it part of the story to where you understood why certain things were going on in his life. And mm-hmm. um and I and I also felt like I was glad that he while he was that grizzly old get off my lawn kind of guy at the beginning. We all know that well not at the beginning, but when they yeah went back to, you know, after after the flashback, he kicked back into being Indiana Jones not not too shortly after that. Yeah. Right? I mean yeah. it, it didn't it didn't say, hey, I'm gonna be grizzled, mean, and old and and cranky the entire movie. No, he, he was Indiana Jones again, just 70 to 80 years old. That's all. Well, I, the way I read it was that, you know, you, you had Crystal Skull, you know, you have the, the lovely end where he gets married to Marion and mm-hmm. what's there, and they go off, and probably whilst Indy has had all these crazy adventures, and there's, you know, like if you want to fold in all the stuff that happens in the books and the comics and all the other stuff, he had as busy a time as any Star Wars character doing what he did around the world. And then he makes a go of his marriage. But, you know, it's the, the relationship with him. But, and I mean, people have been bashing on that. The real world explanation is that they were never going to work with Shia LaBeouf again after the way he yeah. sort of really did disrespect uh, Spielberg and, and bash that previous film. So he was never coming back. So it was a plot point to hang a massive chunk of emotional weight to what Indy's going through in Dollar Destiny. That that story element of what happens to Mutt was was made all the sense in the world mm-hmm. and no and no regrets for not even thinking of wanting to bring Shia LaBeouf back, if, even if they wanted to. That story point was so strong. I think that that helped make the movie for me. It I, I again once they hit that touch point about that, I was like, good. That makes me feel like they've ironed some things out here. Mm. Uh, it just it just made me feel good about we're not gonna we're not gonna just throw that off to the side and not talk about it, discuss it or have any meaning to it. Let, let's let's jump in and do it and they and they did and then i think the ending i think you and i would agree the ending was a very touching ending it was well done the music the the um dialogue yeah just it just was a very well done little segment there at the end that, that made you feel good leaving the movie so the soundtrack the soundtrack was wonderful it felt like john williams was having an absolute ball with this and i've <laughs> downloaded the soundtrack and listened to it and it really is fantastic i'm not a mad fan of the crystal skull soundtrack i like it but it's not it's not what the first three were this sits right. really well against those first three so i'm i'm thrilled with that but that's final scene as you say <laughs> excuse me it feels like so many films yeah i'm a star trek fan and I enjoy the JJ Star Trek, and I love the first one, and I love the third one, but I hate the second one. And I don't, <laughs> I say hate's a strong word. I dislike the second one. And the reason I dislike it is not only is it trying to remake Wrath of Khan, it's trying to hit big emotional boohoo beats without earning a shred of that emotional um, connection for the audience. These are characters we barely know. We've not watched them for 79 episodes and loved the show for 20 years at that point, or 15 years. When right. you get to Star Trek, it, that earns it. Now, it this indie film gets to that end bit, and there's all Marion's theme comes in. You're thinking back to Raiders; they redo that scene on the mm-hmm. boat, you know, the years mileage scene, and and everything was seen throughout that film. And and knowing they got married, and having known Mutt as an audience, we knew Mutt, so it means mm-hmm. something. And I love that scene on the boat, Ronaldo's boat, when when Helena sort of says, what, what would you do with the time machine? Go back and kiss Cleopatra, that whole thing. And oh, Indy's yeah. like, no, I'd go back and tell my son not to join the army. And that whole moment not only tells us something about why Indy's kind of really beaten up by life, not just by the situation he's in, It you literally watch Helena change in that moment. She underst- she starts to understand. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I did, I did too. I really, the, I'm going to go back and see it with my son. He wants to go see it. Um, unfortunately, he was... Uh, he was out of town when I went to see it with a few friends. And so uh, he and I are going to go back and see it here in the next day or so. And and I, I'm looking forward to seeing it that second time and knowing the things that are going to happen and reading uh, the changes in people and things. Because there were. There were changes in uh, throughout the movie. And, and I really like that. And um, it, it was good. Like I said, new characters, old characters, tying some loose ends up. It was a good finish 
I can't see them making anything more. I can't see Harrison jumping on no. for one more run at it. I think he's he said, "Hey, I'm going out on this note." And I and I agree with you from earlier. I just wish look, I'll be the first one to say we've discussed it before. The Last Jedi I don't hate the movie, but it's my least favorite Star Wars movie. Yeah. And I see all the hullabaloo about it and the anger and the hatred back and forth and the divide and and then I see all these people talking about this movie beforehand, and I I see where it's like, hey, let's just, maybe it's best if we all hold our negativity in a little bit. Maybe talk about the things you did like instead of the things you didn't like, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. let, let's focus on the positivity out of something like this. How many, well, you've met Harrison Ford, silly thing, when my wife and I got married, my somebody said, who's the one person you would invite to this wedding if you could? And I said, I would invite Harrison Ford. You know, I was a young kid between Indiana Jones and Star Wars. That was my guy, right? Yeah. And and you know what? Somebody said, hey, and they went and found the address through, you know, those Hollywood things yeah. way back then. And yeah. they actually sent an invite to Harrison Ford because it's Harrison Ford. I mean, let's yeah. face it. I mean, who who out there isn't enamored with what his career has been and that guy as a person. I mean, he's he's touched so many lives and the roles he's played. Even some of his movies that are smaller movies, uh, you know, or movies that didn't make it to be huge blockbusters are still some of my favorite movies. Like yeah. I Witness is one of my favorite movies. I love Same. the movie Witness. I mean, it, it's just there's movies like that where I'm like, oh, they don't all have to be blockbuster huge movies. Oh, what was that? I'm blanking on the one where the young kid um he had an affair with uh, the other lawyer and uh, just an all-star cast. Oh, presumed Bonnie, innocent. Presumed innocent. Bonnie Bedelia and, and uh, oh gosh, I'm blanking all the names now, but that movie was incredible. Just a yeah. great movie. And he, he's just so good in, in as an actor and to be blessed to think we lived through his entire career Yes, and see all these movies that people, you know, 50 years from now are still going to be watching these just like I watch Jimmy Stewart movies and things like that, right? I mean, yeah, it, it's just amazing. But well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad, I'm glad that you and I both said I'm not going to worry about what all these other people are saying. Let's go in and have some fun with this one. And I tell you what, one thing that I've also been doing with this is I've been going back and watching all of the first four again. Yeah, and I, I tweeted about it earlier today. I am amazed um, at Temple of Doom. You know, when I was a young kid, 13, I think when it came out, I wasn't um, I wasn't as enamored and enamored with it. Right. It was different. It was a different feel. I, I wasn't sure about the the pulling the heart out of the chest kind of thing and all those. Yeah. But I tell you what, I, I, I rewatched it the other day. That's a daggone good movie. It's a it really good movie. It's a great entertaining movie and it's just different. It's just got a darker feel about it and different, you know, different adventure and everything. But I really enjoy that movie when I just watch it again. I mean, I've seen it, I don't know how many times, but just thinking, okay, now that I've seen the whole series, I'm going to go back and refresh everything again. I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't know if you feel like that as well. Like it probably gets dumped on a little bit, but I, after rewatching it, I really, it moved back up the charts for me on, on the, uh, Raiders or Indiana Jones movie list. Yeah, I, I, one thing with this Dollar Destiny coming out, and obviously the box office isn't as high as they hoped, and and it had a really strong Monday actually. So it, it's it's starting to I think find its feet, and I think the positive word of mouth is going to help it um, because it it has been bashed a lot, but I think it's I think it's going to get a bit of traction. I don't think it's going to do as 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 slow as people thought, but I've never known as many people go back and rewatch a series of films. So many people I know have gone back and what now they're on Disney Plus have gone back and yeah. watched them. It's a bit like all the Potters being on Netflix, being the top you know eight <laughs> films on Netflix. But but so many people and and weirdly the very first indie thing I watched because we haven't got the young indie stuff on Disney Plus over here. It's mm -hmm. on Apple over here. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I watched Temple of Doom and it's as you say it's the full uncut. Heart out the chest, but you know, body in the lava, the whole bit, um, the the chest healing up, the whole thing. And I watched it in kind of in shock because for years and years and years, that's not the version we've got. They really did edit that that sequence quite yeah. quite overtly, you know. And this was the full version. And yeah, I mean, I, I play the score all the time because I, I mean, Temple of Doom is my favorite opening to an indie film. 
I know most people would say Raiders, but Templar Doom, just that whole anything goes, just the whole oh. opening sequence at Club Obi-Wan. I just love that. Just the feel of it, the vibe of it. I just think it's fantastic. You know and what's it's funny? Not... Go ahead. No, I was going to say, it's not my favourite indie film. It, it, Raiders is far and away my favourite. But the, the next four now, I would say, Crystal School's probably... I, mean, I hate ranking them because I love them all. It's like yeah. Star Wars. You know, I, I love all the... <laughs> Some more than others. Some are, are, are far more I love than others. Um, but, you know, if a Star Wars film's on, I'm going to watch it. Uh, Attack of the Clones always got bashed. And I used to call it a guilty pleasure. And it's like, it's not a guilty pleasure. I like that film, but I shouldn't have to justify liking it. As much as other films I don't enjoy as much, I shouldn't have to justify why I don't like them. It's it's consumable entertainment, isn't it? But, but you know, when you're a Star Wars fan, especially you're drilling into the details. And with indie... It's it's just such a different vibe and yeah I I, I enjoy Crystal Skull again watch Templar Doom I watch Raiders all the time uh, that whenever that's on if there's an afternoon free and there's nothing that I'll stick Raiders <laughs> on but but I really ha- I haven't seen Last Crusade for a long time so I'm kind of ready once I get back from London Film and Comic Con um, I'm going to be watching Templar um, Last Crusade next week. Good good well you know it, the things that brought up to me were when watching Temple of Doom I forgot Dan Aykroyd played a bit role in it uh the driver i think but didn't he drive him out to the airport he's yeah he's at, he's at the airport yeah yeah or yeah he was oh, at the oh, airport oh weber that was it yeah. oh weber i'm yeah. all weber um and then the anything goes thing believe it or not yes we had to choose to either be in like some kind of orchestra thing in school or some kind of choir or marching band in my freshman year my my ninth grade year of school I chose to be in the marching band because I thought, okay, at least I'm going to be active in doing things. So yes, for everyone listening, for one year, I was in a marching band. But our main song of our entire package that we did was Anything Goes. Oh, and, and and so that was in 85, I think. So a year after this movie, uh, that's when we were playing it. So it always stands out to me, that opening and that song, because... I had to play it over and over and over again on the trumpet. And uh, so, yeah, definitely was stuck in my head. So well, here's, here's a weird thing for you. This will mean nothing to nobody, but I don't think I've ever told this story before. <laughs> I went to a school, Netherstow, it's a high school now, but it was a comprehensive when I went there in the 80s. Our school orchestra, I didn't play music then. I, I came to music later on, but our school orchestra was the first, and our music teacher told us this, was the first orchestra, school orchestra in the world to play the theme tune to Temple of Doom. They performed it at a concert at school, and it was the very first school orchestra in the world to play the music from Temple of Doom. And I sat, because I got it on vinyl, so I'm sitting there knowing what's coming, being a real <laughs> co- cocky little beggar and annoying all the people around me. But, uh, yeah, that's I've never told that before, but, yeah, Netherstone School Orchestra was the first in the world to play that. See, here we go. We've got there all go. of our history coming out in one show. <laughs> We're not going to go much deeper into it. but uh... Probably not. <laughs> hey, before before Mark cops on, um, I saw the other day, uh, maybe it was yesterday, I don't even know. I, I just popped it up because I'm a stalker. You know, I like to follow your life through social media. You went to <laughs> Iron Maiden. You, oh, you yeah. Ruth went to Iron Maiden. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, the Utilitar Arena in Birmingham. And uh, I've not seen Maiden since 2010 on the uh, Final Frontier Tour because I always used to go with my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad passed away in 2012, so I'd had chances. I'd had plenty of chances to see them, but just couldn't quite get my sort of head together. I wasn't sure. quite ready. And I, this time round with this future real tour, I just thought I'm, I'm doing it. If I don't go and see them now, they're all in their sort of mid 60s, Nico yeah. 70. You know, they ain't getting any younger. You never know. You know, things happen. It might be the last chance. You don't know. No. I saw them last night and. There's no way they're they're not finishing anytime soon. They were as good as they've ever been. They were ridiculous. And even with, I mean, they're playing songs off Senjitsu, the new album, and Somewhere in Time, which is like 35, 36 years old. Bruce forgot his cues in Court Somewhere in Time. He he was singing out of time on Wasted Years, which is the last track, which is a a classic. There was just loads of little things that just didn't didn't quite work, but they're so loved. Like, everyone's wants them to be brilliant and they were i mean apart there was there were oh that was it they played alexander the great which i've never heard them play before and there's a big gong moment when they go into the big musical bit at the end and the got the great big sort of furry gong stick i don't know what you call it the end fell off the end of it fell off and bruce is just stuck there holding this (laughs) stick he starts dancing with it playing it like it's the flute it was just it was hilarious he introed the wrong song 
Oh. And Steve Harris came up and whispered in his ear, "What, really? Oh, apparently I'm introducing the wrong song." <laughs> oh, it's just they can get they can get away with. They've got so much goodwill; it's ridiculous. And there was fifteen thousand people, and the noise the crowd made. You think it was double that? It was. It was awesome. Can't wait That's to great. see him again. Yeah. Good for you. Good for you. I'm, I'm waiting and trying to find out the next concert I'm going to go to. It's it's been a while. Uh, I took my wife to go see Rick Springfield. Oh gosh, a few months back. That was her. You know teenage crush you know when she was you know 12 13 years old whatever uh you know jesse's girl and all that but yeah uh, so it was fun to go and see her let loose and have fun at a concert but yeah i'm I'm looking forward to getting to another concert soon they're, they're just too much fun right um my totally. son my son and his wife went to taylor swift last weekend and we were oh, wow we were able to we we watched our grandson so they could go to the, the to the concert and yeah. they just had so much fun and i think one of the things he mentioned in a recent podcast of his was it was so great to be in that crowd because when you go to sporting events there's always the jerks there's always the opponents there's always the drunk people who want to fight and things like that and he said when you're in a big concert like that and everyone's just letting go and enjoying the music and taking it all in it's a totally different vibe. And yeah. and I can I can see that. I think that makes a lot of sense. So yeah, yeah but we'll we'll see. I'll I'll see what my next one's gonna be. Um, like we said, Mr. Molecaster will be hopping on in a minute, but let's 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 hop into a little bit of Star Wars news. Not a not an abundance. I mean, obviously uh, we're in that downtime before you get to Ahsoka next. Yeah. Um but I guess I'll ask you, do we need more backstory on Ahsoka for people to really like the fans like you and I, of course, are going to flock to it. It's Ahsoka. But to the people who just know her through the little snippet she's been in in the series so far, are are do they need to really go back and say, hey, here's some flashbacks or hey, here's some exposition to explain why she's there or who she is or anything like that to the regular fan who's going to check that out on Disney Plus? I think one thing Disney Plus does really well, they're doing it now with Secret Invasion, is when you get to the end, it brings up that if you're watching Secret Invasion, you will like, and they sort of <laughs> lead you to something else. For some yeah. reason, they're leading you to Far From Home at the moment, but but you know, if they, they should be leading you to Captain Marvel. But you know, there's, there's certain things that Disney can do in that sense. But to a broader audience, I always think if, let's say Ahsoka was completely, forget it's Star Wars, it's a completely original TV series and it's the first time anyone's seen anything of it. And whilst she has got this 15-year history that we're celebrating, you know, 15 years of the Clone Wars this year, oh she has God, got this history. Do. Yeah, you know, so to, to seasoned fans, let's say, like us, who've been watching her for all that time, and goodness knows when, when, when Snips turned up, she was the most annoying character on television <laughs> and has just had this wonderful development to being, you know, like Gandalf now. Um, that the exposition is sort of built into most TV shows. You allude to stuff. I think mm -hmm. viewers are savvy enough to know that if you watch things closely, you'll reap the benefits at a later point. We're watching Fringe at the moment, which we never saw back in the day and really enjoying it. Um, I could watch anything with Anna Torv in it. I think she's ace. So, so we're really enjoying that show. And it is one of those things where every now and again, something will come along. It's, ah, that, that happened a few weeks ago. That happened a few weeks ago. And you pick things up sort of by sort of uh, um, osmosis almost. I think there's a risk that if you, if Ahsoka comes into a scenario where you've got well-known characters like Luke or whoever, people that are regular, mm -hmm. av say average, non-podcaster website guys like us <laughs> would, would sort of see that character. If, if she comes in all of a sudden, they're doffing the cap to her and, and being subservient to her and, and taking a step back and, and she feels like a brand new character that could wind that yeah wind some people up it wouldn't it wouldn't feel right it wouldn't make sense you've got characters with with a long history suddenly sort of taking a back seat to her but we know as fans who understand the character and have known her yeah that makes all the sense she's the one with the knowledge she's the one that understands these things so there is a fine balance to play i do think they need to I think, is it Marvel, does it? You know, they sort of give you a little teaser of a history of a character, a little vignette package thing on Disney+. Plus. I don't think that would hurt. I think, that, and goodness knows, there's enough out of there. With, with Yeah, you know, with Clone Wars, with Rebels, with obviously stuff in Mando and Book of Boba Fett already 
with with her and and even forces of destiny if they want to go that deep you know there's things out there they could sort of line up and and explain this character you're seeing in live action in her own show has been all through you know she was there and you know from the where are we now sort of attack of the clones era of mm-hmm. of the clone wars right through to now the the most up-to-date we've gone on television so far I know the the sequel trilogy is beyond it. Who knows where Ahsoka will be by then? But you know, I like I like the thought that that there's a history there that could really get across to people. But I would hope that a lot of people just watch it and take it as it you know take it as it comes. I I have been doing my best to anyone and everyone who has questions because as you know, you walk in some place, people are like, "Oh, you're the Star Wars guy. What do you think of this?" Or, "Hey, you're the Star Wars guy. What's going on with that?" And um, not that I'm an expert, I'm I'm just a Star Wars, you know, fan, really, a big, 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 big fan. Um, but I've been telling everybody, hey, there are if you grab X amount, these out of Clone Wars, right? Like a like a Cliff Notes version. You want the Ahsoka story, right? Take these episodes out of Clone Wars, take these episodes in Rebels, make sure you watch those if you can before her series comes out because I think it will help them. Now, not everybody's asking me that, but the people who, who do ask me, I'm like, I'll be more than happy. I'll share with you all the links to, you know, all those. You can go check them out and it'll give you a good, well-rounded background on her, who she is, where she comes from, what's happening and all that kind of stuff. I, I It's just been something I've been doing. I don't know if you've been getting hit with the same thing or if you run in circles where people are like, what's the next Star Wars show coming out or whatever. I mean, you know, but I... I think you're exactly right. We we had snips, and here it is, 15 years later, and she's she's moving her way up onto the Mount Rushmore of Star Wars characters totally because not. the amount of coverage of her. And you look at how many minutes Luke's on screen, or how many minutes Han's on screen, and then you look at how many minutes Ahsoka's on screen. Yeah, it's very amazing. Yeah, yeah, very true. That's a really good point, actually. If you compare that, it's it's not even close. You know, it's like, you know, we, we, Hugh McGregor's our Obi-Wan Kenobi, but James Arnold Taylor's played Obi-Wan way more than Hugh McGregor <laughs> probably ever will. Um, but I think, yeah, you know, the development of the character is is important because we said this on Making Tracks. Um, you look back to the 90s, you think back to the 90s and take away all the stuff we've had since then, pre-prequel trilogy, pre-special editions. And if you said to a lot of Star Wars fans who were kind of in the fandom at the time, pick your top three Star Wars characters, I pretty much guarantee the top three in, in various orders would be Vader, Boba Fett, Mara Jade. That was, that was the top three of the nineties. And oh, yet yeah. now you say to kids now about, about Mara Jade and they just look at you like you've grown a second head because she <laughs> means nothing to them. You know, she, it's, it's not a character they can relate to. And it, it is very much a nineties kind of character. She was a redhead. She was hot. She was capable. I mean, she was capable. That's a very, yep. you know, now thing and all the stuff that she did and the, the path that her character went on and the people that she worked for. So there's definitely mileage in that. But, you know, there was, there was that sort of, uh, maybe you go back to 90s comics, every X-Men comic, they, the swimsuit specials, good grief, they'd never get away with that now. <laughs> you know, it was just a different era. Just the way that we looked at things was, was totally different. But Mara as a character then was, was totally sort of top tier. And my point is, is that you look at Ahsoka now and say that to an out, I'm saying outsider like it's a bad thing, but mm-hmm. somebody who's not so in, intrinsically sort of wrapped up in the fandom and start talking about Ahsoka and they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I think wasn't she in an episode of Mandalorian? Yeah, uh, just a bit. Yeah. yeah. You know, you start to explain it and go, this character's like a real big deal. It's it's getting that importance across to the the ninety eight percent of people who aren't deep dive Star Wars fans, and so but without sort of force feeding them, it's like force. It's like Daniel Bryan got over as a wrestler because the fans wanted him to get over. It's happening with LA Knight right now. The fans want him to be a bigger deal than he is. You got force fed Roman Reigns for years. Finally, he made it happen himself. So, you know, and see, weird analogy. What, what you're talking about to me, I'm of the 98% on those guys. I there couldn't tell, besides, uh, you know, uh, besides Hulk Hogan and, uh, you know, The Rock, I couldn't tell yeah. you a thing about wrestling, right? Exactly. Um, but but there are people who know, I mean, it's some, it's so funny. People I have on this podcast seem to know wrestling way better than I do. <laughs> so there's so many people know all the characters and everything. It's very funny, but yeah, it's it's very true. And and um, I actually at a recent show, I'll send you a picture of it. I actually bought some Mara Jade artwork 
Um, right. Yeah, a lady who does some just great artwork. Um, I think uh, Brittany Ann Art, I think. If you go check it out, she does great Star Wars and Marvel and DC artwork. It's kind of Disney-fied, like their their eyes and their facial features and everything. Yeah. But but she um I bought Amara Jade. I'll take a picture of it for you and you'll you'll get a kick out of it because it's like, wow, that I you don't see much many things with Mara Jade on them. So um but you know that's again I'm a guy who loved the nineties version of, of Star Wars and what was going on. So totally, totally um, and you're exactly right. I talked to some people and they're like, who is that? What do you mean? Luke had a what? What do you mean? Um yeah exactly. So um, but, uh, you know, I read an article the other day, completely off subject. Just, I know how we are guys of the seventies and we're the same age and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, we've always heard the stories and it was an article where Mark Hamill was told by someone in like 84 or 85, I don't want Luke Skywalker in my film. And it was, you know, some big film. I don't even remember. I just, I just remember glancing through, reading the article, seeing the quote, and and um, you know, he had a conversation with Carrie Fisher, and Carrie said, "Look, for the rest of our lives, you're going to be Luke Skywalker, and mm -hmm. I'm going to be Princess Leia. Just get over it, and just we're gonna have to deal with it, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But isn't that amazing? You know, I think of like Kramer and Seinfeld, right? It when you see that guy, you you just think of Kramer and Seinfeld. Well, when you Certainly. when you think of Mark Hamill, while well, he's been in lots of things and yes, tons of voice acting, when you see that person, the first vision into your head is Luke Skywalker. Um, there's just no way around it. So I can see, especially, let's face it, a lot of people probably in movies and TV at that time were very short-sighted and thought, this is just who he is and I'm not going to mess up my movie or my show with by force feeding this person in there because everybody's going to focus. I mean, heck let's face it. Didn't, didn't Ryan Johnson and, and uh, Kathleen Kennedy say it was hard to put Luke into the sequels because when Luke walked in, it took away yeah. from everybody else who was there. Right. Um, True. So it just, it just stuck with me that he had that conversation with Carrie Fisher and she had come to the realization, look, after those three movies, that, I mean, we might do other things, but that's what people are going to see us as. And, and I think it's it's the Daniel Radcliffe thing, isn't it? You know, he's yeah. always going to be Harry Potter. And he he accepted that quite young, really, when you think about it, and just thought, right, I'm going to go and do these weird little indie films and I'm going to build a <laughs> career and do something different. And you get certain actors like like Nimoy, Leonard Nimoy, bless him, who, who wrote an autobiography called I Am Not Spock. And then realized I'm doing this all wrong. I need to lean into this and accept it. Like Shatner is always going to be Captain Kirk. He hasn't played Captain Kirk for what 30 years next year since generations. Oh, man. Uh, you know, wrote some novels and did other did Boston Legal, which he won Emmys for, which is one of my favorite ever shows. But he's always Captain Kirk, and you're watching it. And that kind of goes back to Harrison Ford. We grew up on Harrison Ford as Han Solo and later Indiana Jones, and a lot of people came to Raiders. Because you'd seen him in Star Wars and Empire and, mm -hmm. and some people even the holiday special. And just, you know, and, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just accept the guy. And, and you kind of watch Harrison Ford performances because you, you're waiting for the finger point of doom. You're kind of waiting for that scowl. You can't, it just evokes things. And it's an intangible that you literally can't buy, which is why the guy is is priceless, you know, and, and irreplaceable. I get why Kathleen Kennedy says nobody else can play Indiana Jones. But Loads of other people have played Indiana mm -hmm. Jones. You know, if you think about it, the young Indiana Jones had to be replaced. River Phoenix mm -hmm. was the young Indy, and then uh, Sean Patrick Flannery had to succeed him on television. So, you know, there's there's little weird little reasons for for different things. And yeah, I I, I would personally love to see more Indiana Jones, but it it's not Harrison. It won't be Harrison. And the problem we have now is we've got such, and going back to the point we made earlier, we've got a world full of negative Nancys, basically, who just go in just wanting to bash films. And I swear half of them haven't even seen it. And if they have, they've given it a cursory viewing. You know, if you, with Dollar Destiny, yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic and enjoyed it very much. And I think it's going to be like that for a lot of genre stuff, you know, and if, not just indie, but Star Wars and uh, Trek. And it will happen with Trek. Trek's on a high at the moment, you know, with Picard season three and Strange New Worlds is doing good. And, you know, but it's it's a volatile environment on, on the stream in the streaming world. They can't seem to get a film launch. 
and it'll happen with other with other projects. You know, Marvel will hit the buffers a little bit naturally. It'll happen. DC is having the worst time of it ever at the moment. They just cannot seem to buy a win at the moment. So, and I think a lot of that negativity gets picked up because social followings and such a oh, yeah. sort of overanalyzed to a ridiculous degree. It's it's such a shame that. And hopefully people like I'll pick Kathleen Kennedy is a very quick example. I hope to God she doesn't watch any of the of the nonsense that's online, you know, because she couldn't do a job if she did. No, she'd be so can't. distracted. You know, it's 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 a weird state of affairs. It's you know, look if you're in a leadership position, the last thing, the last thing that you can do is is look at the instant gratification crowd. I mean, yeah. you just can't I mean, because you're not making something for one day. You're making something that's going to last, or at least you hope it will last, you know, for, for a long, long time. So yeah, that, that's just, that's the wrong place for them to be guys like you and I, we can go check it out because guess what? You know, my, my career is not based on whether or not somebody in their basement likes the same thing that I like. Um, It just is what it is. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's too bad that people are bashing it. And I will say, some people that I know, some friends of mine, when it came going back to Indiana Jones, some of them were going to this movie kind of negatively just because they didn't they didn't have the same vibes on um, Crystal Skull, right? Like it threw them for a little loop. So they were a little leery on this one thinking, am I going to get a little bit of a letdown on this one? And and um, I, I would say the people I've spoken with have all said, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it or it was a good movie. And so we'll, we'll cross our fingers that the majority of people actually just let themselves go have fun, which is what you're supposed to do with the movies anyway, is totally. go in the let the let the you know previews happen, get yourself ready to go get a popcorn, get some candy and a soda and sit back and just spaz out for two hours or yeah. two and a half hours. Right. Just have yeah. fun. Um, because there's not enough people having fun. There's too many people being serious and angry and everything else right now. So um, while I'm not sure if Mr. Mulcaster shows up, you and I might just cruise right through this thing and have our typical great discussions that we usually do. Um, <laughs> we we have um, We have a lot to look forward to in Star Wars if we just let ourselves sit back and be that fan and say, I'm going to let it come to me. Yeah. And the things that I really love and, and appreciate, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep riding on that. And the ones that maybe don't fit with me that well, okay, great. That's for somebody else, right? There's there's a different part of Star Wars for everybody. Um, I, I'll I'll be the first one to say we've discussed High Republic before. You like it more than I do. It it hasn't. I haven't found that click yet. Like I yeah. I I get you know where they're going with it, and I'm hoping Acolyte wraps it all together to where I'll be like, okay, those novels I missed. I'm going to go back now and make sure I catch up on all that, right? Um, but between Ahsoka, between Skeleton Crew, between yeah. the Acolyte, between Andor Season 2, between Bad Batch Season 3, probably another Tales of the Jedi if they're smart, you know, but throw another one of those in there, those snippets, because those were a lot of fun. Um, between those and then three movies, cross our fingers, Yeah. Um, that's a lot on the plate. I mean, that's a lot for Star Wars fans to say for the next five years yeah i get to sit back and enjoy this you, you said it there it, i think the the trick is i mean we all like to spitball we all like to hypothesize certainly when there's a, a show on disney plus every week me and mark will discuss <laughs> what's happened and they go well what do you think's going to happen next week and we'll throw our ideas out and it's become yeah. a running joke we're never right never. and i don't i don't care if we're not right <laughs> I, I don't want to be right if i if i sitting in my you know virtual mother's basement you know if i can figure out that you know where a show is going to go you know that's not that's not good so if i'm completely wrong i'm i'm fine with that i don't i don't want to be right all the time um otherwise i should be writing the the show you know so so i'm i'm perfectly happy to just you know spitball and, and see where it goes so i enjoy that so the way you phrase it is so true just let it come to us because like you say, we've probably got eight episodes of Ahsoka and probably a similar amount of Skeleton Crew, and we know we're going to have about 16 episodes of Bad Batch, and they, they're going to really go for it with that because it's the final season, which I'm kind of sad about because I really like the Bad Batch. I was hoping that would, would last another couple of years, but hopefully they've got something else lined up to succeed it because that's those characters are just too cool. Um, 
So, yeah, and we, it's going to keep us crazy busy. It's weird at the moment, going back to indie. It's just indie, indie, indie. You know, Fanth tracks at the moment is just Harrison Ford and James Mangold interviews. That's just all it is at the moment. So apologies to anybody who's not enamoured with indie. But but it's Lucasfilm. So, we again, it's you know, we go in, you're the same. We go in. You go in wanting to like it. And I think mm-hmm. that you can go in with not the highest expectations, but still go in wanting to like it and still going, going, I'm going to pull the positives out of this because there's always little, little bits you can nitpick and little, you know, little bits they miss. And, you know, it's the nature of, of watching films and TV all the time, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I didn't mean this in a bad way, but a few days, well, like the day after I saw the movie, I said, Winsold style of destiny. You know what? It wasn't the perfect movie. Nah. But it was very entertaining. Yep. And 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 so somebody said, well, what didn't you find that you liked about it? And I was like, well, I didn't say I didn't like any of it. It just, I mean, it wasn't Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? It was yeah. it was a yeah. good movie, but it it's, you know, um, it just is what it is. I mean, you know, so, I mean, I was like, I'm not destroying, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. Yeah. It just, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, uh going to be on the, the hall of fame of movies it was just a good solid movie with one guy who i've looked up to most of my life in it and yeah. really enjoyable that's if, if you can get that out of two and a half hours that's a good thing i think i mean there yeah. are there are things that i walk away from where like ted lasso the tv show that right there i i mean like i can rewatch that every day I can go back and watch it. I don't even know if you've watched it. I don't know if we've discussed that. I, I haven't. I haven't seen it. No, it's, it's on Apple over here. I don't have Apple. Yes. So. Okay. Well, and maybe it won't hit the same for you because it happens in England and it's two American coaches go over to England. Yeah. And coach a, a football team, right? Um, so it hit here. It's such a huge phenomenon over here in the states. I mean, everybody I talk to has either said I've watched Ted Lasso and I absolutely love it, or I haven't watched it yet. What do you mean? And I'm thinking, how have you not watched this? This is an incredible <laughs> TV show. But, yeah. but I mean, you know, is is Dial of Destiny something I'll see as many times as I've seen Raiders or Last Crusade or whatever? Probably not. It, no. But it, but it's good, and it was fun. And, again, that's what TV and movies are supposed to be. They're supposed to be something where you go, hey, I enjoyed my time with it. It's something I can talk about with my friends. And, oh, by the way, it's got Harrison Ford in it, which – if there's a person out there who doesn't like Harrison Ford, I haven't found him yet. So, um, <laughs> very true. But my wife, believe it or not, doesn't like Kevin Costner. How does that happen? I don't know. Do you do you watch much with Kevin Costner? I I mean, I've not seen. Is it Yellowstone? I've not seen yeah. Yellowstone yet. I do have Paramount Plus, so it's on the list of things. So I'm getting through Tulsa King with Stallone <laughs> at the moment, which I'm really enjoying. So That's on I'm my list that, to go. I haven't gotten that one yet. Ever so good, it's, okay. and they're doing the season two. It's ever so good. I just, I, I've always liked Stallone, so so I'm going to get through that, and then I'm I'm going to start with Yellowstone season one because obviously Ford's doing the 1923 prequel, so so I know there's lots to watch, and I only hear good things about Yellowstone. But Costner, yeah, Costner. I mean, he was he was great when he sort of came on the scene with what was his big opening. I mean, Dazzle oh, yeah. was a bit later, but I suppose the Untouchables was the real big. Oh, Untouchables, the big Fantastic. one, wasn't it? Yeah, but Bull you know. Durham. Yeah, yeah, I mean, all those kind of Field things. Field of Dreams, Field yeah. Of dreams. It's, it's just one of those, he's one of those very watchful. And you sort of think, you know, you say about Ford, you mentioned Jimmy Stewart earlier, and you think, when you, you think the modern Jimmy Stewart's Tom Hanks. So you, oh, you think of yeah. certain actors now, and there's only a, a real small handful. And it's, it's really, yeah. to me, it's Ford, Hanks, Cruz. Oh, Costner, yeah. you'd put in other Costner's more television now than movie, but but then what the blurred line between television and movies is so thin now it barely matters. Samuel L. Jackson's leading a Disney Plus show right now, mm-hmm. you know, the biggest box office star ever. You know, him and Ford keep, you know, stealing the the number one spot from each other. But um but yeah, well, you, I mean, know, you had you had Stallone, you had Bruce Willis, you had Arnold Schwarzenegger. Schwarzenegger on doing Fubai, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so you're you're right. You've got a you got an upper echelon that were the A-list, you know, and they took all the big jobs, they made all the money, and they had all the fan base. Um, yeah. And and I know we're going in different directions here. Guess what, guys? We're just having fun talking Star Wars and fandom, really, of everything. So yeah. that you know what you brought this up, and you you mentioned the the A-list kind of thing. There's a current running joke right now going on with the Rule of the Galaxy crew. It's not really a joke. It's just really a running conversation. Jude Law is getting ready to star in Skeleton Crew. Yeah. I would say half of us would say Jude Law is an A-list 
actor, hands down A-list actor. The other couple say, well, I mean, he's been in some good things, but he's not an A-list actor. And I don't know. I mean, I'm looking, I've looked back at his, his filmography or whatever. He's been in some really big movies and he's played some really, really good roles. You know, so I don't know if you, what would you, would you say he's an A-list actor or does he just miss the gut and he's a B-list actor? If not B-list, sounds, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? But I think if if Cruz and Ford and Brad oh, yeah. Pitt and, and Tom Hanks and those guys George are Clooney, A-list. See, we're, Clooney, we're, just, yeah. we're, we're thinking of more yeah. as we're doing this. That's it. You know, <laughs> if they're, if they're proper, vertical, the proper A-list, you know, top, top of the tree. And there's 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 younger actors, but but they're the real sort of the cream of the crop. And I guess given his age, you'd put Ford as you know sort of the the granddaddy of them all. That it sounds weird, yeah. but but if they're a list, then I'd say Jude Law. I mean, I think Jude Law. I mean, she was in Spielberg films, in AI. He's done lots of lots of, of very good stuff, and uh, uh, he's Dumbledore now. He's our current yeah. generation's Dumbledore. If you want to look at it that way, um, <laughs> this is crazy. Um, you know, and he's done lots of stuff, but. I, I, I think, I, I don't know. I mean, it was a very good-looking lad when he was younger, and we mm-hmm. all age, you know. He's probably, a, I guess he's maybe a shade younger than, than we are, but not not that much. You know, he's a good-looking fella, so that, that gets you through. Um, I, you know, and he generally is, you know, uh, what was it now? Sherlock Holmes with, with uh, yes. Robert Downey Jr. You he, know, was. he was. like he was Watson, Watson right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so um, I'd, I'd say, I yeah, I wouldn't call him... B list because that sounds derogatory, but yeah, I'd, I'd put him a, a step yes. down. Okay, I yeah. can, I you know, when you went through the list of names, because we're not even mentioning, like I said, Clooney, Pitt, Matt Damon, uh, Ben Affleck. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we've got an entire group there that really brings home the bacon, right? I mean, uh, so yeah, I, I guess I'm, I'm going to let one of my group members who's been pleading from the mountaintop saying he's not top line i i guess looking at this between you and i he is just a step behind that group right there yeah so i'll 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 take the loss on that one because at first he was like if you're gonna have a skeleton crew you need to put a big name and to do this i was like dude lost a pretty big name oh he's definitely a big name yeah Yeah. i mean so i don't know but i'm still looking forward to that show i mean i what i have written down on here about that skeleton crew it's a mixture of Goonies, E.T., and Stranger Things, is what yes. I'm being told. Yeah. And I'll take that in a heartbeat. <laughs> totally. If they can get, like you say, if they can get that 80s... I mean, oh, okay, okay, fighting back to Dolly Destiny. The one thing I liked about the way Mangold directed was he wasn't doing the Spielberg impression. Mangold's a good enough and solid enough and, and he's got his own style enough. He could tell an Indiana Jones story without doing, for example, and this isn't a criticism, it's an observation, what J.J. did with Super 8. JJ was basically directing just like Spielberg did. Yeah. He was doing a Spielberg. Those kids were so well cast in that film. It felt like it was a movie, like Stranger Things. It felt like it was a movie that was made in the 80s or a show mm-hmm. that was made in the 80s that somebody's dug up. Like the first 20 minutes of, of Dollar Destiny, it's like someone's gone, Where did it? Was this a film you started making in like 1992 <laughs> and never finished? It's one of those. So, so I I like the way that he he did his own thing, and and, and that's a, a criticism. Oh, it hasn't got the Spielberg flourish and blah. He's not Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Look at the go do a bit of research and look at the filmography of James Mangold. He doesn't need to be doing an impersonation of Spielberg. He's got some stone cold classics in his arsenal. Totally <laughs> without you know without whatever he's done for for Lucasfilm. And if they wanted a Spielberg clone they could have easily done it in, yeah. in a yeah there's enough classic spielberg camera moves and vibes you could they, ape if you wanted to they could have done ai to make a spielberg the way they're doing ai ai now right they could have just done artificial intelligence to make a steven spielberg move and it would have been i mean the way they spit these things out now and they look they mimic and, and look so similar and all that kind of stuff. Well, so. don't, don't, don't don't push AI too much because what's <laughs> going to happen in five years' time, there's going to be AI versions of you and me doing Rule the oh, Galaxy. And well. I don't want that. I want to do it properly. So, Hey, you know, I, I told you we'd keep you an hour, and it's almost that time. So, Mr. Molecaster, I'm going to have to do a show with him separately. You definitely are. On another time, and that's okay because I really kind of – what I wanted to do – was take a half an hour of you and I just talking, and then I wanted to do a half an hour of just letting you two go wild and crazy 
uh, like over the top compared to what you do your show. Say, okay, we're not on our proper <laughs> show, so we could be just nuts and just go crazy on each other. But that's okay. We'll do that for another time. Um, uh, but I got to ask you something to finish up here because we just threw into this and just it just popped into my head. Sure. We have a pretty decent, not perfect, but a pretty decent fake Luke. Yes. We have a very good, in my opinion, fake Her Luke or Han Solo Harrison Ford. Sure. I think the Rise of Skywalker Leia was much better than the Rogue One Leia, but the improvements they made in that short amount of time was pretty pretty big. Does it make sense? Does it unite fans? Does it divide fans? If all of a sudden they say, we're going to throw one at you, and it happens after Return of the Jedi and before Force Awakens, and we're going to have those three in it, and it's all done that way, a movie, a show, what have you. Does it make sense at all, or does it just blow things out of the water and we go, oh, we really messed it up now by trying that? This is something me and Mark talk about ever such a lot on making tracks. And and <laughs> I, I think my, my head, my head or my mindset rather about AI and making an actor look like Harrison or Carrie or Mark mm -hmm. is that it's basically digital makeup. So when you did Revenge of the Sith and Wayne Pygram played Tarkin, they sat him in a makeup mm -hmm. chair and made him look like it. You jumped to Rogue One and Guy Henry sits in there with the, that great big cage on his face and the dots. And that's how they did it for Rogue One. And now you step forward to Dollar Destiny and Harrison literally just had half a dozen black dots on his face and they can make it happen. So the technology moves forward to the point that Harrison, well, not Harrison, because they couldn't de-age him in that sense, but, you know, an actor, <laughs> an actor I bet he wishes, when he says he doesn't wish he could, he says he's earned his ears, which I, I kind of love that. But, you know, an actor wouldn't have to sit in a makeup chair for four hours and be made up to look younger. So my no. point is, is that if you have, if you cast... For example, you cast a Han Solo and a and a Leia and a Luke, and it's that actor, whoever they are, doesn't matter who they are, big name or not, and they can embody the soul and the spirit of that character. There's, you know, you get a guy who's physically similar sort of shape mm -hmm. and build to Harrison. He's got that swagger. He's got a <clears> bit of something about him, and he's ready to when that film comes out. He doesn't. It's the deep fake thing. I hate that word, but it's the deep fake thing. It's not. It doesn't look like whoever. It yeah. looks like Harrison. As long as he can go, yep, that's me, and here's me making it, and I'm happy with it looking like Harrison. Because Han weirdly, you know, Han Solo looks a lot like Harrison Ford, and they want that continuity, you know. <laughs> and so if, if you can get an actor who's happy with that, I don't know, I'm saying actors, I'm picking names. Alden, I think, did an amazing job as, as Han Solo in, in Solo, A Star Wars Story. So if all, if they said to Alden, would you be prepared to do this, to, to have ILM make you look like Harrison? And he's like, you know what? Yeah, why not? You're going to pay me crazy money to do it. I'm going to hit the convention, so everyone's going to know it's me. And they find actors like to do a Luke and do a layer. And if that's the road that Lucasfilm wants to go down for for continuity of pre presentation of the character, and and they can certainly retroactively do that with other things and go back and make Rogue One better, go back and make so if they want to. I don't know if they do, but if they wanted to, they've got the option. This technology sort of escalates quickly as it is. Long-winded answer as always. I think you're used to that. Um, you know, I, I, as long as the story's good and and yeah. there's a soul, there's a soul behind the CGI. We know Harrison Ford played Indy at the start of Dial of Destiny. Weird that they didn't de-age his voice. I think they should. I, my yes. headcanon, my headcanon says he just had laryngitis, and that's why his voice was a bit deep. That's my headcanon. Um, but you know, and 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 various elements. You know, Harrison played Indy. That's that's him, and they just de-aged him. So, was, but. Obviously, Harrison can't do that forever, given his age. Hamill, you know, he's in his 70s now. Carrie's no longer with us. So you kind of feel like, well, maybe Billy would be happy to do it mm -hmm. or, or, or give her blessing because she's, you know, in charge of that decision now. So as long as everyone's on board, you know, the, the estate of Peter Cushing were happy for it to happen with, with Rogue One and, you know, various elements. James Earl Jones has given permission for his voice to be... Um, yep. with Reese Beecher to do his voice for Vader going forward. So Vader will always sound like James Earl Jones, which is perfect. So as long as every all those boxes are ticked and it's done in the right way, and most importantly, you've got a kick-ass story that people want to see and that adds to the, st the broader story, adds to the canon, becomes an essential cog in the wheel of the bigger Star Wars story, then, yeah, 
that's what a long-winded answer. I would yeah. say yes. I I think if they can do it and everyone's on board, I, I don't see why not. I, I don't either. I mean, look, I I want everybody brought together and not split apart. I, I want to – my personal goal, my hope is that they'll find a story that happened between the, the original trilogy and the sequels mm-hmm. that will make me feel that Luke character in Last Jedi. That's really all I want. I want to feel it more, right? Like yeah. I, I want to, want to buy in and say, yes, Luke was so hurt, he had to be that way, and yeah. not just, well, we flip the switch and the next time you see him, he's this. That's all I really want. I mean, and and I don't know, I don't know if that mess up other people because there's some people who are like, that is my Luke Skywalker. I I want to see that that failed, broken Luke Skywalker, and and that's because that's what happens to people, right? And so I'm thinking, just give me one story that where. The people on my side who are like, ah, I had a hard time with that, Luke. And then the people on the other side who are like, yeah, I really like the way they built Luke that way. That we can come together and say, ah, that point right there, that's that's where it happened. Yeah. That's where, that's where the break happened. I just want to see that. I don't know. Maybe it's too much, but you, no, you and I can dream. <laughs> I think you're right, though. I think because because Star Wars and Indy, but more Star Wars, is, is a generational thing. And yeah. so we've we've watched Luke since he was literally a teenager, and now we see him to his passing in Last Jedi as as how old Luke would have been in that in his sixties, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, give or take, um, maybe not that old, but but you know, and and we've seen it with Indy. We've seen Indy go from a a you know, vital archaeologist adventurer, you know, in his in his late thirties in Raiders to a guy in his seventies now in. Dial of Destiny. Yep. It's a journey, and so people coming into it, into the fandom, into the into watching these things, in in isolation. Yeah, if if Dial of Destiny was the first Indiana Jones film, I'd understand maybe some of the, of the bashing. But then I think it was the first Indiana Jones film. He probably would have been swinging around more and doing more <laughs> stuff. They'd probably right. want to show more of that. But but no, it's we've seen the grind and we've seen you know where he is in that film, you know, his marriage is on the rocks. Well, he's about to sign his divorce papers. He's just been retired off. <laughs> he's probably not had an adventure for years and years and years. And you look back to Solo in, in Force Awakens, terrible things had happened to him. You know, uh, he'd kind of, he'd given up more than Luke in a yep. way, because Luke's giving up for a reason and just couldn't find the answers and just went back to what he knew. So Luke's got more of an excuse for being the grumpy old Luke, really, than Han does, you know, <laughs> if you want to look at it in that way. But nobody really begrudges Solo for for yeah. you know You're for right. that. So so it's it's a, it's a, there's a balance. It's a tricky balance, but there's definitely a balance. But yeah, I I'm all in for it. I want new stories. I want fresh characters and new stuff. But I still want to know what happens to well, we we've seen it now with Luke and Han and, and Leia. We've their their stories are now told. Yeah, all three of them. You know, and and I'm but to your point, to get to that Luke, it's it's, a, it's such a massive leap from the optimistic Luke. From I mean that. What an arc just in the original trilogy. Luke's massively changed in the OT, let alone getting to, to Last Jedi. But you're right, there's this little lily pads on the way, you know, that we need to hop onto <laughs> to sort of, you know, to develop that story. I love it. I love it. You know, maybe it's because we're the same age. Maybe it's because we grew up at the fandom at the same time on certain yeah. things. I don't know. But yeah, I, I appreciate that, that insight from you because I was sitting there thinking about it going, am I feeling out a really weird? And then for you to come back with those answers... Made me feel a little bit better that I wasn't just yelling at the clouds and telling kids to get off my lawn. So, um, <laughs> well, hey, it's been great. You and I, I treasure the conversations we have because it, we just kind of say, hey, let's just go record ourselves, have conversations. And that's fun to me because uh, you don't always get to do that. So especially somebody who's as passionate about it as you are. As I always ask, where can everybody find you and Mark? And we'll find Mark the next time. But where can they find you, track you down, listen to you, follow you, all that kind of stuff? Well, I would imagine you'll find Mark probably packing the van because he's driving down to London for a Comic Con tomorrow. So I know oh. Mark is, is crazy swamped. And so I thought you were that. going to talk about that, and I completely forgot because we it's got going in conversations. So, so imagine New York Comic Con for the UK. So it's, it's a huge event down at Olympia. Um, so Mark's, uh, for people who don't know, Mark's the uh, commanding officer of the Rebel Legion in the UK. So Mark's got spinning a lot of plates. And he also um, sort of works with you know, the Mando Mercs and the UK Garrison, the Saber Guild and Dark Empire. And he's also part of Fantatrax. So so he's got a crazy busy weekend sort of marshalling all of that 
uh, and and we've got at LFCC, we've got uh, what we've got now. We've got four, four or five live ep- editions of making tracks on the second stage. Yep. So I'm I'm interviewing Mike Edmonds and Katie Purvis on the main stage. Then we've got Fred Sorensen, who was the pilot from the start of Raiders uh, on making tracks. We've got Eric Walker, uh, original Mace from uh, Caravan of Courage and Battle yep. for Endor. Uh, we've got Michael Carter, who was Bib Fortuna. And Quentin Pierre, yeah, Quentin Pierre, who was in Empire and Jedi, loads of different roles in Empire and Jedi, who I've wanted to interview for years and years and have never quite made it happen. Uh, So I'm really, really chuffed about that. And I'm sure there's somebody else. I can't remember now. I'm sure there's somebody else which will come back to me at a later point. There's loads of guests there. So we're going to take the zoom out and try and get as much audio as we can. We've got a Panther booth. Phantom Booth there as well in the Star Wars zone. So there's some some other sites of Jedi News there and Star Wars sessions are there. So there's a good bunch of people there. So it's going to be full on. It's always full on and very tiring. And when people say, are you, are you off in your jollies for the weekend? No, I'm going to be standing <laughs> on my feet for 10 hours. And in, uh, the interview is never a chore. I, I love the interviews. But yeah, it's it's full on. And then I'm back at work. I'm up at five o'clock on Monday morning for work. So that's mm. going to be, oh, that's going to be fun. But okay. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change it. Well, go listen to Making Tracks. Go check out Fanta Tracks. Mark is Prefect underscore Timing on Twitter, correct? That's me. There we go. It's always my pleasure to have you hop from across the pond on your evening, my daytime, to us to have us have a conversation. Thank you so much. And you know what? Always a pleasure. We will do this again, and I will track down the other Mark and when he's all less busy. Do it. Put a bounty on his head. I will. I will. To all of our fans, followers, listeners, everything, thank you so much. Um, go check every everything out that, that Mark does. And until next time, may the force be with you. <laughs>